into the state of combat with the Brian Campbell. This is your professional wrestling edition. And as you can tell by the sound of my voice, maybe it should be the state of combat without Brian Campbell, folks. This is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, leading you through another professional wrestling edition of this pod. Uh, BC, look, breaking the fourth wall real quick. Guy is a busy, busy man. Not only is he previewing UFC 244 this Saturday, uh, Madison Square Garden, previewing that for CBSSports.com. He's about to jump on a jet plane and travel out to Las Vegas for the Canelo Alvarez, was it Sergey Kovalev, right? Uh, fight coming up Saturday night live on DAZN. Huge fight, obviously Canelo jumping up a couple weight classes. We are going to have multiple podcasts this week from Las Vegas. So BC's a busy man. He says, Silver King, can you step in? one more time and save the day and host the show. And you know what I say? Absolutely. BC may not be right near the beach, Boy. but the Silver King is in Fort Lauderdale. He has a miniature version of the soundboard, and he also has Gentleman Jack, Outback Jack, Crosby along for the ride. Jack, say hello to the people. Hello, everyone. Yeah, BC and I get to t- tag team the combat sports events this weekend. I'll be in MSG for 244 while he gets to go to sunny Las Vegas. And uh, you are probably going to have some company at UFC 244. Uh, well, uh, we'll, we'll see if the we'll see if the uh, reception from the Nationals World Series game carries over to Madison Square Garden. I have a feeling it might. But we've talked MMA. We've talked a tad of boxing. But we got to talk professional wrestling, Jack. That is why we are here. We have an absolutely loaded show for you folks on the air today with us. With me, none other, the demon, the prince, Finn Balor is joining the State of Combat podcast. And honestly, we were supposed to have Finn last week, but the timing is way better to get him this week. Uh, Obviously, a huge uh, moment for him Wednesday night on NXT. Just spoke to him 24 hours ago ahead of this week's NXT. He had plenty to say and even gave the Silver King a little ribbing as well. So, Jack, we already previewed what's coming up on this show. We already told you what BC's up to this week. Let's just get to it right into the main event. This is the main event. And, Jack, we're going to go ahead and start with this Finn Balor heel turn, right? Because I think... It's fair to say the greatest moment in professional wrestling over the last seven days was the overall main event of NXT. It was, in my opinion, and we'll talk about it briefly in a bit, one of the greatest television matches in history, top two, maybe number one NXT television match in history, the Roderick Strong, Keith Lee, and Dominic Dijakovic main event. I still hate that name. Just change it back to Chris Dijak or Donovan Dijak. It's so much easier, but I digress. Um, one, a great match. I thought it was going to end there. Really excited, really happy with what NXT was giving us. And all of a sudden we see Tommaso Ciampa come out and we see Johnny Gargano come out and we know what's next. Finn Balor comes out and we're real excited to see that trio stand next to one another. And then out of nowhere, Finn Balor, Pele kicks Johnny Gargano in the back of the head, does the guns, gives him a, an elevated brain buster onto the ramp. Comes out on WWE backstage, uh, you know, on, on FS1 and tells Renee Young in a sit-down interview with Booker T was there as well. Straight up, the Prince is back. Now, you have a little bit more experience with Prince Devitt than I do from his days in NJPW. That was before I ever watched NJPW, the real rock and roll uh, Prince Devitt. 
But I think every fan watching, even if you were not familiar with his prior past in NJPW, had a very good sense of what Finn Balor is going to be like now, what his character is going to be, especially if you watched that interview, Jack, on WWE backstage. Um, I thought it was fantastic. The, WWE, I don't think, really has given us a true swerve to that degree where it's so out of left field that you would never in a million years expect it, except for that. I think you may be able to hearken back to Dean Ambrose turning on Seth Rollins the day Roman Reigns announced he had leukemia. That yeah. was that was more of a surprise, though, in the moment, not so much that he did it at all. This was a surprise, period. So what were your thoughts seeing that happen live on Wednesday night? You watched AEW live. You watched NXT on delay. I do the opposite. What were your thoughts on that? And go ahead briefly and tell these people a little bit about what to expect from Prince Devitt, uh, even if he's potentially the Prince Finn Balor in WWE. Like you said, it, it was refreshing for once to see an actual swerve be done on WWE television, like one that you legit didn't see coming. Because from the moment he came back to NXT a few weeks ago, they did a very good job of setting up and putting in your mind that he was going right after Adam Cole, despite the fact that Tommaso Ciampa was there, too. But it created an interesting dynamic of wait a minute now who gets the shot at who gets the shot at adam cole and at the same time it puts cole in a nice position as a heel of not only do i have to deal with this Balor guy coming back but i got to deal with champa coming back too and like he's backed into a corner um and then finn going after johnny who has been the face of nxt for how long now it everything tied in and made sense but in the moment it was. It, it was something you, you don't see often, especially from WWE, something that legitimately shocks you. Right. And it, it, it's, the, the, it's the holy bleep moment. It's yeah, where, where I, you, what you want as a wrestling fan, you want really good action, you want storylines that make sense, and you want moments that make yeah. you say, holy shit. And I mean, the, the picture perfect Pele kick. I don't know how many times I watched that gif and even the video back and forth just from the halfway taken off the leather jacket. Right. Like he was going to fight Undisputed Era and then just boom, the next second Johnny's laid out. Like it was in the blink of an eye. It was, I don't think he's ever executed a more picture perfect of all yeah. he's done in his career. I don't think he's ever done one that perfect. And for it to be that moment was pretty awesome. Um, and yeah, like this new version of Finn Balor, like you said, people, some people have watched it like I did. Like I watched him from Apollo 55 with Taguchi to making that turn to creating the Bullet Club and right. seeing that change in him from New Japan's lovable baby face to the most hated man in the country. And now NXT fans and WWE fans who are just conditioned to Finn Balor being this ultimate baby face merchandise selling um, for the aside from when he turns into the demon, just that, you know, the happy go lucky. They're they're going to be some surprised in a good way at how good Devitt really is at being an arrogant SOB. And you saw a little bit of it on backstage backstage with uh, Renee Young, his demeanor, right? Just he's perfect at playing just that pompous, arrogant ass. He, he exudes confidence and, co yes. and cockiness. It's, he, it's, it is very much, you, it makes you think this is the real guy. And it, what also makes it shocking is, like, if you follow him on social media or anything, like, by all accounts, like, Devitt in real life is a very, very nice person. I've never heard anything bad about the guy. I've never heard about bad experiences with him outside sure. of pro. Like, he's a very nice person. But yet, at the same time, he is just a master 
at playing this heel character. And I'm glad that, especially on the stage of NXT, because we're talking about backstage, I absolutely loved the way he explained the difference between Ron SmackDown and NXT of NXT, Ron SmackDown being Hollywood where you can hide and you don't, you don't have to face any ramifications. Whereas NXT is Broadway where eyes are on you at all time. Right. So when he says something like that, it makes me appreciate more that he's actually back in NXT and this didn't happen on the main roster. I appreciate more that it happened in NXT now that he explained it that way. Cause had this happened on the main roster, I don't think it would have resonated as well. Well, yeah, because then you're saying, hey, you know, I'm against all this stuff. I'm, I'm tired of it, but I'm still in it, right? That's- this was, yeah, this was the perfect place for this to happen. NXT, US, like if NXT were still on the network, then no, I would say, no, don't, don't do that. But now that you're live on USA, this, all the stars align. This was just perfect. Well, yeah, I mean, and WWE, it's very interesting the way they're promoting NXT as they are basically saying, if you like combat sports, watch NXT. The commercials are insanely interesting because they're happening during raw saying you know this product that you're watching right now yeah eh, it's kind of crap if you want real wrestling yeah watch two nights later on the same network it's it's very strange the way they're doing that um and, and folks don't let this get lost on you either about this whole heel turn it is very very ironic that wwe is now countering aew with essentially a finn balor heel turn because i'm gonna be honest with you If Finn Balor never starts the Bullet Club, is there an AEW? No, of course not. We don't know. No, never. If it weren't for him, they don't exist. And now he's going, him going back to that character for the competition against what the elite created, which stemmed from the Bullet Club. Ah, it's just, it's so exciting. It really is. And I think, um, you know, we talk about it. Like, like I said earlier. You want the holy bleep moment. You want to mark out as a wrestling fan. Yeah. Even even yeah. if your heart is cold like ours is, if you read the dirt sheets, if you follow every little bit of it online, if you always think you know what's best, which we always think we know what's best, there's moments where you say, oh my God, they got me, right? And that's yep. what they did in that moment. They got me and I absolutely loved it. And we're not going to really talk about it over the rest of the show. We've mentioned it twice. Shout out to Renee Young and shout out to WWE Backstage. That Love was, that show. The, fir- the first episode was, eh, whatever. I was fully entertained for one full hour this week. I thought Booker T and Christian did a great job. Paige is really good because it's very strange. She's the one out of the four that breaks kayfabe more than the rest. She, she and does all the she's time. like, eh, heel face, turn, you know. Like, like, she just doesn't really care. I was totally entertained by the show. Um, was it Bila Mila who was on the, sh- the, the show this week cutting the promo? Yeah, yeah. The former yeah, NFL he player. He did a great yeah. job. Christian did a great job cutting a promo on him. That show was really good. Finn Balor being on it was a big part. But Finn Balor went ahead and said the Prince is back on WWE backstage. And Jack, he told me the same thing. Because what I got a chance to do earlier this week was sit down with the former Prince Devitt for a good 15 minutes. And uh, he was combative a little bit. I think factored in and out of kayfabe here and there it was tough to tell but i think that's kind of the point so we don't normally do this we usually save interviews until later in the show we're gonna swing right to prince devitt finn balor you're gonna hear him right now and on the backside, we're gonna talk about it and break down the rest of nxt wwe aew and the rest of the world of professional wrestling here we go proud to welcome into the state of combat podcast on cbs sports nxt superstar Finn Balor, NXT airs Wednesday nights 
from 8 to 10 p.m. live on USA Network. Finn, it feels weird to say that. NXT superstar Finn Balor, this return to your, let's call them WWE beginnings, is a bit of a surprise. What actually led to this move? Everybody keeps talking about the return to NXT, but really it wasn't a return to NXT. It was just a return to being me, dude. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of factors that, you know, played a part in this move. Uh, I took some time away, reevaluated myself, reevaluated uh, my career, reevaluated my goals. Uh, you know, took a hard look at myself, realized that, you know, I wasn't being true to who I was. And realized that it was time to start being real. And, uh, you know, it's easy, uh, it's easy to kind of get caught up in the WWE bubble of, uh, you know, what they want you to be, you know, what is expected of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I just got kind of tired of playing ball and, uh, you know, I, I want to be me and the prince is back. Well, that's kind of what I was going to ask you, which is, you know, you know, there was a lot of people talking about you requested to take a break and, you know, that's not necessarily something that happens all the time in the WWE machine, as you said. So my, what I was going to ask you was, was this planned prior to the break? You're saying this is something that you came up with or, or came upon you while you were gone, while you were taking that time off. Have you any knowledge of how the WWE works? I do. Okay. Well, you know more <laughs> than me then because. Anyone who knows anything about WWE realizes that nobody knows who's in control. Nobody knows who's got the answers. Nobody knows who's making the decisions. Nobody knows if you're booked on Monday night or if you're booked on now Friday night or if you're booked on Wednesday night or if you're on the house shows, if you're on the overseas loop. Nobody knows anything until it happens. So there was no plan. There was no, like, laid out proposal that, hey, Finn's going to go away and then two months he's going to come back as uh with a new character there was nothing it was just dude i need some time off i've had enough enough is enough i wrestled 172 matches last year that equates to almost 300 days on sure. the road sure. and enough was enough i i don't i grinded my ass off for five years and i was i'm done i've, I've had enough right now i'm a human i want to go back to being me and you know i've done everything that you've asked me to do i've went out there with a smile on my face i've raised my arms when the lights came on i've you know i've done all your interviews i've done all the media i've got up i've traveled all over the world and now i just need a little time for myself to reevaluate exactly what i want because i'm done doing what you guys want i just want to do what i want to do sure and that makes sense so so you did not feel like there's a scenario in which you could be yourself on a raw on a smackdown doing the normal day-to-day wwe grind dude you can be yourself in anything that you want to do but for me the fit was to be an nxt like i can be this i I am this person so it doesn't matter if it's on raw on smackdown on nxt on the indies it doesn't matter where i do it this is who i am so you know, you can go out on Raw and you can, you know, I did. I did pretend to be someone that I was. But right now, I'm not pretending anymore. This is real. This is the real Finn. This is this is who I am. And this is what people are going to get from now on. Well, you've obviously said in this interview, the Prince is back. You also said that on WWE Backstage a couple of days ago. How much are you planning to draw from your experiences in 
New Japan, whether it's real rock and roll, or whether it's more of the demon type of character that you, you know, you not character so much personality uh, that you, you got towards the end of your run over there. What form of the prince are we, should we expect to see over on NXT? I'm going to draw from the 19 year career in the ring that I have had. We're going to get elements of, you know, Fergal Devitt on the Indies in the United Kingdom. We're going to get elements of, Prince Devitt babyface in Japan. We're going to get elements of Prince Devitt babyface in Mexico. We're going to get elements of Prince Devitt leader of the Bullet Club in New Japan. We're going to get elements of the Demon debut in NXT. We're going to get elements of the guy who beat Roman Reigns on his first night of Raw. We're going to get a combination of everything that you've ever seen associated with Fergal Devitt slash Prince Devitt slash Finn Balor slash the Demon King slash the Demon slash any version of me that you've ever seen on Wednesday nights. I think the question is, are you going to, are we going to get a version of you with the light up jacket back from uh, Chris Jericho? You know, there's an ongoing dispute about who started the light up jacket trend. And, the way I see it, I don't know the dates, but my inspiration came from the movie Tron. Mm-hmm. And it, in my view, I'd never seen the Chris Jericho light-up jacket until i done it. So I don't know who done it first. I don't know who done it better. But I'll be honest, I'm not going back to something that I'd done six years ago. I'm going forward. And I'm creating a new version of what you're going to see. You know, this idea of like going back to the light up jacket to me is a step six years into the past. And that's not something that I want to do. Yeah, it was cool at the time. Yeah, people send me gifts on Twitter all the time. People talk about, hey, you're going to wear the light up jacket. The light up jacket was cool. But honestly, New Japan stole the light light up jacket. It's, <laughs> I don't have it. So, like, people ask me, am I going to bring the light up jacket? I'm going to go on, on, the record right now and say i don't have the light up jacket since the day i walked out of new japan those guys have it (laughs) all right and i asked for the light up jacket back when i went back to japan for beast in the east and they said they couldn't find it so that's the 100 percent truth on the deal with the light up jacket i do not want to make a new one i do not care about the light up jacket i'm going to create something different i'm going to create something new uh, just like I've always done for the last 19 years. I'm not going to go back. I'm going to go forward. So this is another question about going back a little bit, but you did briefly mention it. Speaking <laughs> of things. talking about the past, man. Well, no, Talk look, look, it's, it, it's the past, but it's something that kind of happened a little bit in the present here. You know, you had your moment on NXT Wednesday night, and we have AJ Styles and Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson all tweeting at you. I think fans are really curious. There might be some type of, reunion here even though you know maybe you weren't necessarily in bullet club with one of those guys is there a, a, a an understanding between you four that may develop on wwe those or, guys, or nxt th- television th- those, those guys weren't the only guys that tweeted me man like shinsuke nakamura tweeted me tamatanga tweeted me like thousands of people tweeted me like of course those guys tweet me they're my buddies but like you know who was texting me right that's the mystery who was texting me because there was a lot of people texting me that people didn't see. No, that makes total sense. I think a lot of people are also real curious what the initial goals are in NXT. You know, you're back, obviously, a little bit of targeting on Johnny Gargano. Uh, it looked like you might 
try your hand at the NXT title picture. Are you going straight for the gold off the bat? Or do you think this is something where you have a mission that you want to accomplish before you go to the championship picture? I want to shake the trees, man. I want to shake the trees and see what falls out. I don't know if it's Undisputed Era. I don't know if it's Johnny Gargano. I don't know if it's Tommaso Ciampa. I don't know what I'm going to do. But it's like WWE. You never know what's going to happen until you show up on that day. And that's what's going to happen. So we'll see on Wednesday, dude. Now, you have said it's been you know, a few years since you've been in NXT. I'm sure you've been back here and there in the Performance Center. But now that you're there more frequently, now that you're a part of NXT again, how has it changed in the years since you left? And do you think it's for the better or for the worse? It's definitely different, man. But, you know, it's easy for the mice to dance when the cat's away. And the cat is back. So, with, you know, I don't know what was going on while I was away. I don't know what was going on, uh, you know, when I wasn't paying attention. But trust me, my attention is fully on NXT right now. And then, you know, we'll see how people react to Finn being back. It, it, I don't need to react to anything that's been happening on NXT. They need to react to the fact that I'm there now. So... Do you think these guys yeah. have it easy considering uh, what you had to go through, you know, in the dojo system up in Japan? Of course they have it easy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a joke how easy they have it. They get paid to train. Are you kidding me? I slept in a sleeping bag for four months. <laughs> I got my ass beat in, in gyms in England for six years. I went to Japan and got my ass beat in the dojo for three years before I even, like, got any way in in any way of a, a relevant match on, on TV in Japan. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I didn't make any money for the first seven years of my career. These guys are getting paid to train, getting the, you know, getting physiotherapists, chiropractors, masseuses. These guys are pampered, man. They don't know, they don't know how lucky they have it. And some of them are complaining, oh, my back sore. Oh, man, my knee sore. Oh, I heard a good one last week. People taking shows off because uh, they got a cold. Or, uh, I don't feel well. Or, um, you know, I don't. I don't want to go to training today because uh, I got a. I got a house show on on Saturday night. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? It's time to work. Like, they're not. You're not at the top. Yeah, no, for sure. If it, it, obviously, it's you're exuding confidence and comfortability here now that you are a bit more yourself again. And I think, you know, we last time we interviewed you on this podcast a couple of years ago, I believe, but we asked you about this then, and it was Becky Lynch and you guys training together back in the day, but we haven't spoken to you. Yeah. Becky's bust her ass. Yeah. So we that's, haven't, we that's ha evidence of, that's evidence of busting your ass to get to where you want to be. But like a lot of people don't do that. No, they don't. And I think what we're seeing now is the result of that for her. Now becoming the man, becoming you know, perhaps, and maybe not even debatably, the hottest thing in WWE main roster right now, if you even want to call it main roster, uh, and you kind of having that same role now in NXT. How crazy is it to think all those years ago, you, you know, taking this young lass, let's call her, uh, stepping into your, you know, training facility, and this is where both of you are now in 2019, entering 2020. Yeah, well, we're talking about, you know, two people that have been busting their ass me 19 years her probably 17 8 17 16 years like that's the type of investment we're talking about this is like almost like a lifetime investment of busting your ass to get to where you want to be and you know when you continually show up 
dedicated, work hard, committed, you know, the cream will always rise to the top. Absolutely. And we will see a lot more of that from you, Finn Balor, Wednesdays from 8 to 10 p.m. live on USA Network. That is when NXT now airs. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. And I think everyone is excited to see a little bit more of the prints on their television coming soon. All right, Jack, we are back. So outside of him kind of jabbing me, hey, do you know how WWE works? Which I answered yes. I didn't really, I didn't realize where he was going with that. Um, I mean, that was a, a shockingly good interview, in my opinion. We've interviewed Finn Balor before on this podcast, and he's very light in the past. He was very light and and fluffy, and he'd answer your questions, but he wouldn't really get deep. I did not expect him to criticize WWE and his own booking to the level that he did. I don't care that he's on NXT. I don't care what he said about Raw and SmackDown on WWE backstage. That's still a WWE show. This yeah. was an interview with Finn Balor set up by WWE. And is he working us a little bit? Yeah, maybe. But the stuff he said was accurate. His five years in WWE, for the most part, has been him smiling, which I've yeah. told you guys I think is a stupid gimmick, um, and working his absolute ass off. The guy is getting – he may look 28. He's not. I mean, he's older. He's older than me. And I think he's tired of it. And the fact that it felt real to me – what he was saying that he took this time off and did not have a plan and then ended up coming back this way. Now, is that true? I don't know. I think what I speculated was that he would come back to face, you know, uh, uh, the fiend Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania, perhaps for the universal championship or a WWE title. That obviously is not what's happening here. Everyone expected Kevin Owens to be the one to go to NXT. That's not happening either. I think this is better than both of those. I think this is per and and again to like to the guy he just got married, like you said uh, his age and now he gets to post himself up in Florida for a little bit yeah and doesn't have to do all the rigors like what more could you that was one of the arguments I had for people that did try to criticize the move back quote unquote down to NXT I was like the dude just got married at this late in his age so obviously he's ready to settle his life down a little bit so now he gets to post up in Orlando Florida for a bit and doesn't have to really do the rigorous traveling as much as he did like what more could you ask for. Yeah, I don't think there is much more you could ask for. And that's kind of what he was saying. He he put it forward that this is what I wanted. They're letting yeah. it happen. I'm having fun. I loved his answer to the Chris Jericho light-up jacket. Um, Got to bring that back. And it him, has to come back. And him basically saying, you know, that's in the past. It's funny. He kept saying, that's in the past. But I'm going to no. bring some of my past characters in. It's You know, he didn't want to talk about it, but he did want well, to talk I'm, about it. I'm most... I'm, I understand he can't have what I'm, what I'm I, like, I'm half joking about the jacket. Like I told you yesterday, uh, personally, but what I'm really interested to see though, and I understand WWE can't take it as far as he did when he was in Japan, but the variations of the paint we're going to get now, because yes. I, it's not just going to like, he used to do, he did the Joker, he did the Punisher. And I understand they probably can't do that. But he's a creative enough guy, and he has creative people around him where I'm interested to see how that changes up from here on out. The one thing I think people don't know about Finn Balor, Prince Devitt in Japan, um, is he was a loser. I mean, you have to respect, yes, he had the junior heavyweight championship. Yes, he had the junior tag team titles. Um, and he did win matches here and there, especially when the Bullet Club did form. But he never beat Okada. He never nope. never beat Tanahashi, which was his yeah. main rival. I mean, he beat him, but he never beat him in a match that mattered. Um, 
So he was a loser ultimately. Yeah, and- the moment he, there was the one moment where he stared. I'll never forget this. We he where he stared down Okada and said, "Screw the juniors. I want your belt." Right. Blah blah blah. Title. Yeah. And we were all excited for it. We're like, wow, they're really going to do this. And again, nothing came of it. And that's when you're kind of like, all right, maybe this dude has to move on. It's almost Naito-esque. It's weird. In a sense. It's weird because Naito at least has the Intercontinental title or has had the Intercontinental title for extended periods of time and was G1 winner, you know, got a couple opportunities at Okada. But with Devitt in New Japan, this Prince character that he's bringing to WWE he was a loser for the most part. He was someone who could never reach the mountaintop and went from being, you know, uh, himself, Prince Devitt, to being the real rock and roller, to forming the Bullet Club. And each step of the way, he found successes. But he never New reached J- the yeah. ultimate. He never reached that mountaintop. New Japan essentially saw him as a traditional pro wrestling antagonist in that he was really good no matter what at playing foil to whatever baby whatever baby face they wanted to pair him with but he wasn't going to come out on top in the end in the end it was going to be right he goes down and he was just good they were good at recycling that for a little bit but then again in the today's day and age that gets old after a little bit it does and it's very much the way that the with the exception Bray of Wyatt. well i was going to say with the exception of Jay White actually winning the title which was more a factor of omega losing and they needed someone to fill in it's pretty much Jay, Jay White it's not very. It's not very. Different. Or yeah. Or I mean, if you want to, like I said, if you want to keep it in WWE, it's more or less the complaints we had about Bray Wyatt. It's like you got this guy's great heel, but he, he's he's never winning these feuds. Right. Like uh, this is getting old. So maybe in NXT we will see Finn Balor reach the potential with this character that he actually did not reach uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling before he left for WWE. But we did talk Finn Balor, uh, the main event from NXT. Before we move on, Jack, I, I've just. You know, I said it when I was watching it. I, I tweeted it. I've just never seen a match like that before. Um, two guys the size of Keith Lee and Dijakovic, a guy the size of Roderick Strong, the melding of them in a triple threat match, and the storytelling of NXT of, you know, two weeks ago, Strong interfering, pissing off both of the, the bigger guys, yeah. them late in the late stages of the match, taking him out together, which was move after move just absolutely thrilling. And then the, the staple of a triple threat match saying, okay, that guy's done. It's time for us to settle it head to head. And Lee yeah. and Dijakovic uh, going back in the ring and finishing it one-on-one. I, I honestly, I mean, you knew the finish was coming. You knew Strong was going to retain. You had a feeling Keith Lee was going to be the one to take the fall, although it really should have been Dijakovic. But, man, I was like standing at the end of that match. I I, I could not believe what they delivered on Wednesday night. It- it was great. And you know what? I'm finally glad because I see it. I, I mean, I've seen it for a while now, but especially after. I love that people are starting to realize that Roddy Strong in ring it's is great. probably a top three performer in that company. He is. In the company. Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, you name it. Roddy Strong is one of the best, if not, you could say it, if not the best. Um, and he helped make that match with two big guys like that. Like we knew Keith Lee and Dijakovic together was entertaining. Right. We've seen that already. Um, but adding Roddy to that mix, the guy could do anything with anyone. And that's why he's perfect for, especially NXT in this day and age, he was perfect turn heel, put in the undisputed era. But yeah, like that was, that was some stuff that you used to, that was a match. Like you used to see back when ring of honor was in its heyday. Like that, that's what that reminded me of back when ROH was the thing. When that was the true alternative, those were the kinds of matches you saw with guys like Samoa Joe and Brian. 
and all of them and homicide and the, like you, mm-hmm. those were the kinds of matches that you signed. That's what that reminded me of. That's why I loved it so much. But yeah, that as far as NXT TV, you might be right for as long as that's been around is the actual television match. One of the best, if not the, be- the best they've ever put on. Even the British strong style versus uh, undisputed era tag team match. That was yeah. great, but it wasn't as unique and exciting as this. Because Roddy was the missing piece. Yeah. He Roddy was-, was the missing piece of that puzzle. Like, yeah, we could watch Lee, Lee and Dijakovic wrestle all we want. Literally. It's great. I, I love it. I could literally watch them fight, I, fight forever. I could. Love it. Yeah. Love it. And I, I do hope that somehow, someday, they could turn it into a storyline where they get a WrestleMania match. I really do, oh, I really do where they could call back and say, and say now we're going to do it on this stage in front of, you know, right. 100,000 people. But yeah, adding Roddy in there, was that was the missing ingredient to that whole recipe. It, and... It, that's what the finished product was just delicious. It's just weird to me that it seem keeps seeming to me that Keith Lee always ends up on the lowest side of it. Like it always seems that when the matches end, even the one he won, except for the one he won, it always seems like Keith Lee is the one either taking the fall or, you know, taking more damage where like Dijakovic is great, but Keith Lee is as unique of a wrestling talent as I've it's ever absurd. seen. It, it, it's ridiculous. He's one of my favorite wrestlers now. Um, and you, you know, you, Jack told me when WWE, there's two people I can give Jack full credit for. He said, Adam, when WWE, uh, Keith Lee, when WWE signed Keith Lee, he goes, you are going to love this guy. And when WWE signed Matt Riddle, who I was aware of, but had not seen, you know, truly wrestle like a lot. The first match I ever watched was Matt Riddle against Will Ospreay, which was absolutely incredible. I, and, I, and now I watch Matt Riddle in WWE or in NXT and I'm just like. This, and, this is it. This is a future world champion. And to that point, you, you guys want to see something exciting? Wait until you see Keith Lee and Walter oh wrestle a match with each other. Oh Wait until God. you see that. Yeah, that's going to be sick. Those two are ridiculous together, too. That is going to be sick. Um, real quick, so we are going to do DMs. I asked for questions on Twitter. You guys sent a ton of them. We're going to do them. I don't have the DM sound, which I honestly kind of think is a little bit annoying anyway. So we're just going to use Roman Reigns instead. Big dog. All right. We got Scott Kindernecht at Big Show underscore 66. Guys, what is your guess for the War Games match at the next takeover? I think, do you think Balor starts his own team, joins Undisputed Era, etc.? So I'll answer this. Um, no, I think you're, we're going to get Balor Gargano one on one. I think we're probably yeah, going to get great. Undisputed Era in a weird match, but probably amazing. Undisputed Era against Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic. I hate saying his name. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Velveteen Dream. I think that's the match. And I do also think a women's one may still be on the table. It's tough, though. It may be, but but with the way things have been building to a point, like they're kind of like hinting at it. Can you name with, eight women who should be in that match? I can't. Well, yeah, Dakota Teague. It'd be Dakota Teague and Candice. Three. And one more against Shayna, the Horsewomen, and EO. Belair would be the fourth. I, I, yeah, I, God, I can't. I can't yeah. believe it'd be Bianca. The, but the way that they have been spreading things out like that, with the, di- I think that they're hinting that hey, we're thinking about doing this. If they do that and they do two War Games matches and then Gargano, Balor, which might be the main event. Um, what else you got? Riddle, something um, with Riddle, something with Dream. Oh no, it, Dream, it, Dream it, would be in the main it, event. It, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It would have to be Riddle. Because it, if if Matt's not on the takeover card, that'd be two takeovers in a row. Yeah, that he'd be off. And at the then I I somebody actually posed that to me, and I told him I said if Matt Riddle misses two takeovers, 
get him to raw immediately. <laughs> then get, he's not needed there. Get I, him out of there. I don't care when it. I don't care when it Paul is. Hayman. I don't care when it is. No one should be able to use Matt Riddle other than Paul Heyman. Uh, you and I, yeah, we we're, no one we're on board with that. No one else should touch yeah. that SmackDown crew. Who the Bruce and those guys? No, keep away, keep away. from Matthew. Yeah. Let Paul handle him. All right, we have a ton of show left. We are just getting started here on the State of Combat. Before we get to it all, you know what we have to do. A quick word from our friends and sponsors. Okay, Jack, back with the show here. Um, There's been nothing that I have been asked about more over the last 72 hours uh, than Jordan Miles, which if you told me that a couple weeks ago, I would say that's a great thing. You know why? Because Jordan Miles, the former ACH Albert Hardy Jr., um, is one of the most exciting professional wrestlers in the world. I think he's one of the top talents in the Performance Center and a future star in WWE. That's the positive. Um, the, the negative, I should say, uh, or why he is in the news, and this is difficult because to lay out what happened over the last 72 hours in a five or ten minute conversation, which is what we're going to have right now, it's literally impossible because of all of the machinations that this story has gone through with Jordan Miles, with WWE, with some other wrestlers in WWE and NXT, with other African-American performers uh, in Jay Lethal, Booker T, um, Titus O'Neil. There were others that have not responded yet, Mark Henry, etc. But the long and short of it, this is the best way I can break it down for anyone who is completely unfamiliar or just wants to get an idea of the way we're going to cover this story here. Uh, so Jordan Miles, as I said, the former ACH, he's in NXT right now. He just won the NXT breakout tournament. He, he did fantastic. Uh, and he fought Adam Cole on NXT. I believe it was in August. I want to say, um, for the NXT championship as the winner, he got the opportunity at a contract of his, uh, a title of his choice. Great match. Adam Cole obviously won because they weren't going to have Jordan Miles win, um, just coming out as a newbie. But it was a fantastic match, really yeah. put him over. He has not been seen on television since. Uh, he apparently has not wrestled a house show or anything for NXT since late August. So keep that in mind here. So uh, Jordan Miles went ahead and jumped onto Twitter a couple days ago, really late at night. I think it was Saturday night, maybe Sunday night, but... I believe it was Saturday because I, I was off work Sunday and I remember reading through it. So okay. I believe it was Saturday night. So, yeah. so Saturday night and sends out a picture of a T-shirt logo of his own um, that he thought was racist. Uh, basically, it is a logo. This is Jordan Miles in white. Uh, the words are teeth in a set of red lips. Uh, and the shirt, the the... Initial design that was created was on a black background. Now, I do believe yeah. this was a WWE custom T-shirt that you could choose different backgrounds for. But primarily, you know, WWE shirts, 90% of all wrestling shirts in the yeah. world are on black backgrounds. It's how it's been basically forever, but definitely since the 90s. So Miles pointed out in a very angry tweet um, that he absolutely hated the logo, that it was racist, and directly blamed Triple H and Vince McMahon for this. Um, if you're wondering why the logo I just described would be racist, uh, it is because it evokes notions, especially on a black background of a shirt, of 
minstrel, uh, blackface stuff like that. It, it's not good. If you see the logo, yeah, black blackface, blackface. If you look, if yeah. you if you look if you look up the logo or you look up his tweet, if you see it, it makes sense. As simple as that. Now, in reality, what happened here? Best to my knowledge, I did speak to some people at WWE. I did see the logos. And the NXT shirts, the first edition of them, when they were immediately put on the WWE shop website, I just so happened to go on there and I saw them before they were posted on Reddit, before people made fun of them on Twitter. Um, WWE basically came out with like 20 t-shirts for all their NXT performers right before they began on USA Network. Jordan Miles among them. I never saw this logo and this shirt that he uh, showed on Twitter. The reason I never saw it is we had some sleuths go look it up through internet history stuff that I don't know how to do. Um, this existed for approximately 24 hours. It was published on yeah. WWE shop. They immediately took it down and put up a new logo, which is more like a space jam type of logo for Jordan miles instead of this one, which apparently they told him was supposed to look like rolling stones. Um, look, this is the as simple as I can put it. The logo was awful. Um, yes. anyone, Very. anyone who saw it or gave it a second thought, Anyone who was looking at it through an approval process, you have to reject it, especially once you see it on a black background of a shirt. If you think that Triple H or Vince McMahon was directly responsible for this, you are incorrect. That with the amount of things that Triple H has to do on a day-to-day basis, Vince McMahon definitely is not involved in this whatsoever. But with the amount of things that Triple H has to do on a day-to-day basis, I would be shocked if he saw it and if he did if it was more than here's a flip book of 20 logos, go through them. Do you see anything you don't like? You know what I mean? Um, now, the reason why this became such a massive controversy is – so Jordan Miles tweeted this. You know, he called it racist. He said he was not going to keep quiet about it, that it's bothered him for an extended period of time. Uh, as I said, he called out Triple H and Vince McMahon. He then continued to tweet about it and said he was standing up for all black wrestlers and stuff like this is not acceptable. And – by to that point, with the exception of calling out Vincent Triple H, he had me, Jack. I was on his side. Um, the, it was it was disturbing that a company. I don't care if it's you know. There's some companies that have done things like this in the recent past. Oh yeah. Um, you know, actual real clothing companies, not just like WWE. Uh, and it's, it's accidental. It's certainly not purposeful that WWE will come out with something like this. But as a African American man, him, as me, someone who is not obviously part of the culture. But I think you guys know from, you know, this show, from having been on this show and talking about things as long as we have for the last two and a half years, I think, you know, I support the culture, even though I am not of it. Um, It was, it bothered me immensely, right? I think where he lost me and lost the vast majority of wrestling fans was when he starts creating videos saying that WWE is completely racist. When he then calls out Jay Lethal out of the blue and calls him an Uncle Tom um, for being successful in Ring of Honor. And and blasted Ring of Honor, too, as a whole. And blasted Ring of Honor. He he claims that uh, the long and short of it is he's saying Jay Lethal was successful there because of that, whereas he refused to be, so they wouldn't push him to that level. Um, Then... All of a sudden, Booker T starts getting wrapped up in it, and other people start getting wrapped up in it. You have Cedric Alexander retweeting him and being on his side. Leo Rush kind of doing the same thing. Both of them deleted those retweets and deleted their own tweets because what basically happened is Jordan Miles started going on an extended rant. And as he ranted more, 
I think it's fair to say, Jack, and I, I know I'm kind of talking a lot here. I want to give you your opportunity as well. But, no, you're, you're but explaining. I'm trying to explain well. it. Go yeah. Ahead. As he, as he continued ranting, I think it became more and more clear through this process. It wasn't really just about the shirt that it's something yeah. that is bothering him for an extended period of time. And it also maybe isn't just WWE. And then when he started explaining, having to explain a, what he wants and B how this happened. And, you know, WWE came out with a statement saying, basically, this is not true. All talent gets the ability to approve their own designs. He basically came out and said, well, yeah, I did approve the design, but I saw it on a gray background, not a black one. And then by the time I saw it, I didn't like it. Okay, WWE pulled it down, right? Um, So then he starts tweeting personal emails that he received with, like, apparently the designer of it, who he then says says the designer lied and said that Triple H approved it. But when when Miles spoke with Triple H, Triple H said... He was told that Miles approved it, so he was okay with it. So the story basically, you guys know my favorite word, got extremely convoluted. And then right before we jumped on this show, he put out an apology on Instagram that basically does everything except apologize. It's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for this, but I don't take back anything I did, which is not an apology. So even Titus O'Neil came out and basically kind of blasted him and said, look, there's issues that exist in this business and all businesses. You handle them personally. Uh, and Booker T kind of jumped on and said the same thing. He basically said, yeah. he said, I've had these issues throughout my entire career. I deal with them. It's personal. Business is personal. You don't just jump on social media and call people out. So Jack, it's, I, I rambled a lot cause I wanted to explain it. I was going over, I was going over in my head last night, how I would address this. And I had a big long take on it about how I supported Jordan miles, but you can't do this. It's not the right way to do it. But the truth is when you're dealing with racial issues and major corporations, Sometimes there's not a right way, and I think people need to understand that, but there is a wrong way, and yeah. this was the wrong way for me. Top to bottom, um, it's, I think it's unfair to put a company, or even more than that, individuals within a company on blast for absolutely no reason when they legitimately did not have anything to do with it. I mean, Triple H, you can say one thing, he's in charge of NXT. You know, if someone has an issue with WWE, if... Uh, Mike Kanellis wants to get out of his contract and he wants to call out Vince McMahon, go for it. You know what I mean? That's fine. But to put on people, um, to call them basically racist, I don't accept that if you actually don't have direct proof. That is a step too far for me. Especially when you're talking about a large group of people as the one that works for WWE. Like when you make a broad statement, like WWE is racist. There might be a guy sitting in a cubicle down in NXT going, no, I'm not. Right. But then now everybody, maybe his family, friends or whatever, know he works for WWE. And now it's all of a sudden, huh, you're racist like the rest of your buddies at work. Like that's, that's where like. And I also don't buy into Jack that, that just because on the other side, I'm taking the other side now, just because WWE made Kofi Kingston champion does not suddenly mean they are a beacon. No. You know what I mean? Uh, and just Not because and just because because the street profits are getting pushed and the African American performers in NXT, there is a um significant amount of them and they're getting more opportunities than perhaps they ever did before. That does not mean everything is peachy, right? There's issues to address, there's things to improve. The, his larger point that he thinks there should be more representation of his culture in WWE, it's a good one. I agree with that. You look at WWE's front office, you look at people making decisions, booking, the writers, the vast majority of them are not 
of his culture. And, it, and, and they're not of many cultures, in fact. They're primarily, not all, but primarily of a single culture, which is my culture more. Um, yeah. So he, his larger point was good. But there's a manner in which you can address these things successfully. And, yeah, like he, like and him coming out perfect. and him coming out and doing it the way he did. Um, again, I'm not saying that there is a right way to do it, but it was definitely the wrong way. And for then people to pile on on top of that, other journalists, other wrestlers to say, not only does WWE have a race problem, but their NXT performers are getting treated like crap when they're not in the actual day to day. I can't. Company. Yeah, I can't stand that. I cannot so, stand. That. So for me, the situation blew up. It was another um, situation where I think it. Everyone is looking for reasons to crap on WWE, and I think there's enough legitimate reasons to crap on WWE that you don't either need to a make up reasons or b um, exaggerate reasons. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, like you said, they're they're not perfect, and the Kofi stuff doesn't put. You know, that doesn't make everything all great. Hell, no, it doesn't. There's still a lot of people today, although I find them highly entertaining. There's still a lot of people who have a problem with the way our truth is portrayed. Like that's 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 still their main go to. Sure, our truth. Like I said, I find them entertaining. I know you find them entertaining, but there's a lot of people saying, "Yeah, but that's racist the way they're portraying him." Um, no, it's we're in agreement here. If I was like, I was on his side. Like it's basically we're yeah, mirroring. He, he had our, me on his side. Opinions here are mirroring each other yeah. because I was like, that was that was a real shitty thing for them to do with that shirt. Like you said, for someone in that merchandise department. Now, if that's your specialty, like I could see a regular human being looking at that shirt and going, I don't see the problem. Right. Let's, but if, let's clarify. If let's, clarify let's clarify. Morrow calls him smiles for miles. That's part of yes. like the gimmick. And you can say that a lot of African-American performers in WWE have the big smiling, happy gimmick. Apollo Crews, yeah. Titus O'Neil, uh, R-Truth to some extent. But that's not historical everyone. Certainly not no. Booker T and The Rock. Um, New Day is that, but diff- totally different. And it's and it's their own creation. And even our truth and I'll let you finish your point in one second. Even our truth is, I mean, that's our truth. Like, he's, he, is he hamming it up when he's actually on TV? Yeah, but he, that's him as a person also. You see in videos yes. and him walking around. He is that type of person. He's a family man. He's a that's father. All right, continue your point. I'm sorry. But yeah, no, it, um... Like I said, like if you took that Miles shirt and walked up to ten people on the street, maybe eight of them, if you said, "What's the problem here?" Let, let me clarify: even eight, eight Caucasian people. Right, right. You took it up to them and said, "What's the problem here?" The sad reality is, they might look and go, "I don't know." Right. But where the issue here begins is that if your job for a living is to produce merchandise. Someone had to look at that logo on the black shirt and within a minute, at least, <laughs> yeah. Ma- or, I'm sorry, Max, go, oh, this is a bad idea. We need to trash this. Right. Tell whomever Jordan's getting a different shirt. This can't, we can't do this. And it's not- so it's almost, it's egregious that someone who is contracted to do this for a living, let that slip by. Like, that's egregious. That shouldn't happen. Him having a problem with it, I get. And sometimes... I get you have to take the fight to social media. That's just the age we live in in the year 2019. Because, no, he may have politely or impolitely, whatever the case, walked up to someone and said, hey, this is a problem for me. And maybe he got brushed off. 
And then maybe he gets pushed into a corner where he says, you know what? This is bugging me. I have, you know what? The only way they're going to hear me is if I take this public. And if you do that in a careful manner while also getting your point across, sometimes I guess that's necessary in today's social media age. But when he just started dropping bombs left and right all over the place, and then we get to the, like you said, the Jay Lethal Uncle Tom and Ring of Honor is crap. And you're like, wait, we're not talking about ROH right. here. Where, where, where'd you, where'd you well, go? When'd you get off that exit? He, here's the thing. I find it difficult to believe he exhausted all avenues within WWE because he might he may not have because, because first of all, let's remember these shirts came out like five weeks ago that's, and, the, yeah, that's and it was only, and it was only on the website for a day. So it's not like <clears throat> I saw it and tweeted, Oh my God, look at this shirt. What is WWE doing? And then Jordan yeah. miles is like, you know what? I held this in long enough. I hate it too. F them, so on. That's not what happened here, right? Um, it's also it doesn't seem to be the point where he said, you know, I brought this up to them ten times and they kept it on the website, or they just wouldn't listen to me and they still went live with it even for a day. And I've asked for my release, but they're not granting it. So I got to tell you guys what's really happening behind the scenes. I asked, I, I want out, and here's why I want out, and they won't let me out. Look what they did to me. He didn't say any of that stuff. No. He basically just said, hey, this is a shirt that was created for me. It existed for 24 hours. FWWE, Triple H, and, Vic, and Vince McMahon, they're bad. I'm good. Um, I'm for the culture. Follow me. And, you know, and that's it. And, and it just took some strange turns. And I got to be honest, like, even his point about representation, it's such a good point. WWE needs more representation across multiple races and probably religions and genders as well. Representation is super important in this situation. This was completely preventable. But it seems through the process, through his own words, what he explained on Twitter, he did approve it. And it went out. And it still got taken down in 24 hours a month ago. So it's tough. I think what encapsulates this all is Booker T. He, um, you can find it certainly on Reddit. He may have tweeted it from his own account. But Booker T was asked about this. And he basically explained, look, I've had my problems in my day in professional wrestling. He said there's two things. Number one, in WCW and WWE, never once was there a piece of merchandise I did not get to see and approve before it was released. And then number two thing he said is this is not a Colin Kaepernick situation. And I think that to me encapsulates this Jordan Miles thing. It's WWE did something that was bad, uh, that never should have seen the light of day. The fact that it was existed in the first place was bad. Uh, the shirt is disgusting. The fact that it was on the website for even 24 hours is unacceptable. But the way Jordan Miles handled the situation, the way too, too people far. decided to criticize WWE uh, because they wanted to use another reason to criticize WWE. I, I'm not I, like you guys sometimes think Brian likes to paint me as like a WWE defender. I'm not guys. I crap on them more than anyone. I'm telling you right off the bat. Like I, I'm not about calling for people to get fired, but whoever designed the shirt should probably get fired, right? Um, at the same time, you have to know who to blame and how to handle things as a professional, as an adult. Yeah. And I just don't think this was... Again, I can't tell you how to, how to handle things right, but I know how to handle things wrong as an adult, as a professional who, and, who and works as a manager of people, and this was the wrong way to handle it. Yeah, and for Mark, like, we, like, no, we, like, we, do, we are not, like, of the culture, but, I mean, optics is a thing. And that's the perspective that you and I have right now. Right. And a lot of and millions of other people because this was on social media. So like the, the optics are just bad on it. Yeah. Cause like, like we, like we said, like he just started going down different avenues 
instead of just sticking to the point of WWE did this. I vehemently disagree with it. Here's what happened. And then I want an apology. I want an apology. I want want their policies to change and I want more representation within the company. Yeah. Like if he had just, like I said, like I said, in, in a social media age, which is what drives us as a society today for better or worse. I understand that he took it to social media, whether the timing was off or whatever. I get the overall um, theory of taking it to social media, but then there's just taking it too far. And that's what he started to do. It just started to go off the rails a little bit. It absolutely did. And you know what? To some extent, the show has kind of gone off the rails, too, because more than anything, this is a professional wrestling show. We're not here to... Uh, debate race and, and, and politics here this but our wheelhouse but look i just got to be honest like there's been nothing i've been asked about more um from listeners who i think historically understand uh my stances on kofi and and the things that wwa i felt needed to do in the lead up to wrestlemania and after wrestlemania and a lot of those same people sent me dms because they don't want it to be public and they basically said like you need to speak on this and and I don't really feel like I, I need to speak on it. I'm no one really that special. But I, I hope that you guys understand the perspective here from Jack and I. It, it's it's just we wanted to support him, and we do agree that what happened was very bad, disgusting. And yeah. heads should roll and, and policies should be adjusted because of it. But ultimately, uh, you need to know in business and in life how to handle things properly. And that is not what Jordan Miles did, especially – even in tweet one, uh, from the very beginning, he never handled it properly. And today, just kind of continued that. Uh, Jack, we are going to move on. And Let's what go. a great way to go from talking about race to talking about Saudi Arabia. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, WWE Crown Jewel is coming up on Thursday, uh, 1 p.m., um, live on the WWE Network. We will promote it because they have given us some interviews and and that is nice of them but on the back end i will go ahead and call this event what i always do blood money in the sand for jack we're not going to do a full preview of crown jewel because we do have hero or zero to get to we have a ton of dm slides to get to as well Uh, but we're going to talk about it really briefly go through it a little bit uh the first match we're not going to go through the whole card team hogan against team flair is it just me or is team flair like Baller, baller, all star team, and Team Hogan is it's, just like crap. It, it's loaded, but we, we doing a prediction. Can I throw? Yeah, off? yeah, yeah. Talk. Yeah, because like to that point, it's loaded. Um, and I picked. I mean, we'll have our CBS. I'll have the predictions up tomorrow on CBSSports.com from us as a staff. But um, I picked Team Flair. Shockingly enough, maybe to some, because I think that in the end, this is going to be a showcase for the next Universal Title Challenger, Drew McIntyre. I think he is going to get the winning pinfall, uh, probably through nefarious means. You know, it is a heel team, but I think Drew is going to be the one position to look like a star here, so that after Seth gets done with his little deal later in the night or early, whenever that match takes place, when we get Raw into full swing, I think he moves on to Drew. I agree completely. I mean, that's exactly what I think is going to happen here. I do. Do I have anything? Let me see. All right. We are going to talk about Shorty G later, so I will save that. Uh, but I, I do think there's the potential that Shorty G actually wins if they really <laughs> if they really are trying to get this over and make it work because the reaction's great. And the <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Um, but but I think that's possible. I also think that we could just get Roman Reigns, you know, 
Big dog. All over the place. Spear, spear, spear. Pinfall, pinfall, pinfall. Just to make yeah. the crowd happy, because let's not forget, it is blood money in the sand. So it is a very, See, I, it's a very face-centric crowd. And I don't know. They want to put a lot of heels over. Um, yeah. So we could see Roman Reigns as well. But if I'm booking it, if this was a pay-per-view, I would be going with Team Flair and, and with Drew McIntyre. See, I had the same thought process where these are face-centric shows. But at the same time, what, one thing that popped into my head was, but this is also the same country in which Shane McMahon defeated Roman. So they so they do have there, – there is a bit of history of them sidetracking. Then, I'm, then I started thinking in my head – I mean, we'll get to them in a little bit. This feel-good moment they're going to get. They're going to get this one. Mansoor's wrestling Cesaro in front of the, the home crowd. Right. So I was like – so they could take this they, – they do have the room to take this and put the heels over, especially if uh, – Drew. That is true. And, and – Mike, what – Go ahead. Did, did they – I meant to ask you this too because I – this isn't an elimination match, is it? I think it is. They have they, they have not they have, not, they have not said they have not said I think it's an elimination match. It, so we're going full survivor series before yeah, survivor series. I, I know. It's it's freaking crazy. And if they just run this back at survivor series, shame on them, honestly. Cuz they could. Oh, I did, uh, Can you imagine uh, that? Oh my god. No, because I think Hogan and Flair gone after this. This Maybe. this was just a Saudi thing. Um real quick, Mansoor Cesaro, like here's the thing. I it's probably going to be really good. Like just because yeah. Mansoor is not bad, and Cesaro can make anyone work, which is why they're having this match. Mansoor wins, obviously, right? Oh, God, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Braun Strowman, Tyson Fury here. So I got the opportunity to speak with Tyson Fury and Triple H. Please listen to last Thursday's podcast. If you missed the interview, I don't always – I'm not going to always tell you, hey, I do great interviews, whatever. I actually thought that was a really good interview. I asked some, Triple H some very tough questions about WWE putting guys like Kane Velasquez and Tyson Fury – in positions like this over main roster talent and if, you know, the way that they've responded to that. So I thought he gave a good answer about that. Also asked Tyson Fury a bunch about Eddie Hearn, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, etc. So if you're a boxing fan, it's even a better reason to listen to it. But uh, Braun Strowman, Tyson Fury here, I mean, they're not putting Tyson Fury here to lose. Uh, espe- no. Especially not of a heavy, you know, ahead of a heavyweight match that he has coming up. Um, you know, with supposedly with Deontay Wilder, and I think February 22nd, as long as Wilder wins his next bout. So I don't I don't see Fury losing. So the question I have for you, Jack, how the hell does he win and not make Braun Strowman look terrible? Well, like I said, there's no uh, – even for a big guy like Braun, uh, I mean, obviously it's going to be a knockout punch. Right. Because that's the whole hook here. Right. Um, it, it, You know, I'm torn because – there's no, the way they've presented, like, even though I've, like, we've explained to the viewers previously, like, look, lineal heavyweight champion means nothing in <laughs> nothing. 2019. It means absolutely nothing. One but zero. to, to, to a diehard WWE fan who doesn't pay attention to boxing and especially the Saudi Arabian fans, they, all they hear is the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. Right. So it's very easy to just pass Braun off as, Hey, if he took a shot from, the heavyweight box, and maybe you do something at the end where Braun gets up and like stares at Fury. Like, maybe he maybe he sits maybe he sits up the way Fury did after Wilder knocked him out. Yeah, you could even do a spot like that, and then have Tyson get him again and put him out for good. But then even afterwards, even after the match, you have Braun get up and have Fury do a little while respect big man like the professional wrestler. You know everybody. Yeah, you still got a, people who laugh at wrestlers, but you're a tough bastard, man. You know, like that was great, great job. And they have a feel good moment in the ring, and then Tyson goes off. But because there, there is a way to 
not make Braun look so terrible. But then you really have to understand that when we get back from Saudi Arabia and everything gets into a normal swing again, we got to start being a little more careful with Braun. Yeah, and that is what Triple H kind of said in our interview again last Thursday's podcast, if you want to listen to it. He said, Braun Strowman will be a bigger star from having fought Tyson Fury win or lose. And he's right. He is right, because people will know that name more. Um, the question is, does that get on ESPN? Does it get on CBS Sports HQ? Will will our producers decide to show a clip from Blood Money in the Sand 4 because Tyson Fury is on it? That remains to be seen. I'm not in control, but certainly if we do uh, show clips, you, I will tweet them out and you guys will be able to see it. Speaking of uh, fighters stepping into WWE from outside, Kane Velasquez challenging WWE champion. Brock Lesnar for the title. Um, so Jack Jack screwed up here because he gave a great take uh, on this podcast. I think I, I go last week or two weeks ago, which is exactly how the match is going to end. And I'm going to repeat it because he screwed up and I'll tell you how he screwed up in a second. Um, and the way this match is going to end. And look, if it ends any other way, I think you and I will both be legitimately surprised. But, I will. I'll be shocked if but, it doesn't end. Like yeah. This. But the way it ends is Kane Velasquez is up on Lesnar beating the hell out of him. Uh, Lesnar grabs a steel chair, you know, hits him in the knee with it. Uh, Velasquez has a famously injured knee that he does actually in real life, non kayfabe need surgery on before he can supposedly be a full-time wrestler. Um, you know, hits him in the knee with the chair, probably wraps the, the chair around the knee, steps on it, beats the hell out of him. So Velasquez wins by disqualification. Lesnar retains the title and we move forward and have a rematch at WrestleMania. That is the expectation uh, from Jack and I, the reason why, I got to say that prediction and not Jack is because we're doing predictions on CBSSports.com, and Jack picked Brock Lesnar to win the match, even though he That's, gave us the finish. He he told us how it was going to end. So um, my brain function was that Brock was Brock walking out as champion. So when we submitted our predictions, I right. said Brock Lesnar, and then this morning, like the light bulb went off in my head, and I went, <laughs> "Oh, I what I said on State of Combat, and this this doesn't make any sense." Yeah. So really, Brock winning, I don't care what happened, and we'll talk about it briefly, but I don't, I don't care what happened on SmackDown or anything else. Brock winning clean is, nonsense, nope. is nonsensical. Uh, Velasquez, what I want to see in this, I want to see that WWE gives him the opportunity not just to be a, an MMA fighter, because we have seen in AAA, he is a luchador. He can do many of these moves he's learning, he's training with, with Rey Mysterio. So I want to see Cain Velasquez wrestle Brock Lesnar, not just ground and pound, um, not just try submission moves. Yeah. I want to see actual wrestling in this match. Yeah, but the problem there, Adam, is that, like, I get where you're coming. And a lot of people have said, like, and I think eventually we will get that. But if he does need work on that knee done, if I'm WWE, I'm not telling him to do that. Well, he doesn't need I'm to do him, I'm telling him, keep that Lucha Libre. Yeah, but it can, but if he makes it worse, say he, he does that, he a couple flips and the dives and, and stuff like that, and then he gets back over to the United States and gets to the doctor, and the doctor goes, well, this was a lot worse than what he we had originally planned, and now we got to do this. Then you kind of screw yourself let me, on future let me clarify. potential. Let me clarify. I'm not saying he needs to do springboard stunners or hurricanes or things like that. What I'm simply saying is like, Work in some ring ropes, some suplexes, do some wrestling type yeah, things. Not as optimistic. Who who was it that he um front did a front takedown recently Shelton. on TV? Shelton. Right. Okay. That was horrible. I don't want to see him taking down Brock, ground and what pound, the then doing you know amateur wrestling moves. Uh, give me professional wrestling, even if it's only for four minutes. He doesn't need to go full luchador, but I want to see that Velasquez can work because you want to tell your fans. 
that if this guy is injured and they do run this angle, when he comes back, you want them to know he's actually a threat, not just a guy who's going to beat the hell out of Brock with punches. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that because from the moment he stepped into the company, they were just portraying him as this mauler who destroyed Brock Lesnar in the first round. And that, that, that's, that's just how they portrayed him. And maybe when he comes back, I, and I hope too, that they open him up a little bit and let him do his stuff. Maybe if he wants to throw the mask on, have it be a persona type thing. Like unmasked Kane is the mauler. Mask Kane Velasquez is the luchador. It's a good idea. You could run, you could run a fun angle like that, but no, it's just from the way they've portrayed him since he showed up on that first SmackDown is he's the brute. He's the brawler. And I think that's what we're going to get. No, that's a good idea. And I think moment of the week in WWE um, is probably that, destruction by Brock Lesnar <laughs> in the in the training facility on SmackDown. Um we're not going to go too deep into WWE storylines this week, but I mean, first of all the the promo in the ring, you know, whatever. It's fine. Uh but I I thought Lesnar beating the taking Rey Mysterio and almost <laughs> Kevin Dart lawn darting him into the uh wall of the training facility was fantastic and then F5 and Kane Velasquez onto Dominic Mysterio on a trainer's table. Jack Man, that was freaking awesome. That, that's I mean, what I we know you want. You guys hear me laughing. But this, this, I don't care what anyone says. And I really, look, I do not care what you say. I do not care if you don't like Brock Lesnar. I do not care if you don't like the part-time champion thing. This dude is entertaining, especially when he does. When Brock Lesnar goes on these rampages and just starts destroying things recklessly, when he, I was cackling when he dropped Kane onto top of his awesome. body. And it also gave Kane a great opportunity to cut an angry promo and show some personality yeah. in Spanish. I thought that was – it showed like this is a real guy. He's not this boring milquetoast dude that he seems to be. He's actually a real fiery performer, and I like that as well. Uh, last match here, Blood Money in the Sand for uh, Universal Championship. Seth Rollins defending against the Fiend Bray Wyatt in a false Count Anywhere match. That cannot end for any reason, uh, meaning the, there's no do, no disqualification, no 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 contest, no draw, nothing. There has to be a finish to the match. So, I mean, look, we talked, uh, we did our instant analysis coming out of Hell in a Cell about how much of a debacle that was, excuse me, <coughs> about how much of a debacle that was, at least in terms of the final five minutes of that match. The rest yeah. of it, I think you and I agreed, was pretty good. Yeah. So they're running this back, and the way I expected leading into Blood Money in the Sand 4, the, the, the way I expected this to finish was honestly exactly the way the Seth Rollins-Eric Rowan finish was on Monday night. First of all, I don't know why you're doing two false count anywhere matches in a four-day span. <clears throat> I don't get that at all. That's number one. Well, technically, if it, it, one's false count anywhere, the other is no disqualification if we're going to be technical. They're both, fa- they're both termed false count anywhere. But, well, I, I'm sorry. I meant um, can't be stopped for any reason. Sure. They could have stopped <laughs> Seth and Rollins. Okay, fine. But okay, that could have come been on. by the come official, on. Adam. Okay, fine. Um, but they didn't stop it. Okay, so uh, it ended up being the same. But I, the way I expected it to end at uh, BMITS4 in Saudi Arabia was with something like this. With a pallet truck squashing the fiend so he physically could not move. Like... Doing something where Bray has no way to move. He didn't get pinned. He's wiggling. He's alive. He's trying to get up, but he's stuck. Now, they could bury him in some manner. Um, I, I don't know exactly what kind of finish they're going to go with. 
I thought they wasted an opportunity Monday night um, having that happen. I think with by by drafting the fiend over to SmackDown, you're kind of telling the audience there's no way he's going to win the title because you're not going to put the Universal Championship and the WWE Championship on the same show. You would believe. Uh, so WWE, in my opinion, has worked themselves into this corner where even a false count anywhere match, I don't think they needed to give it the stipulation of it'll definitely have a finish because this is the type of match where you don't need to say that and you can still do the pallet truck type thing. Um, or you can do another thing where he gets trapped and can't move. You think about last man standing in NXT with champ and Gargano. They figure out a way for champa to win that match but not really when he just kind of escaped. And I think that's the type of finish you want for Seth Rollins here. I mean, I get where you're coming from. And even though I picked Seth to win, that doesn't mean I'm happy about it because I'm still at the point. You could collapse that stadium onto Bray Wyatt. And I don't think he should be pinned for three seconds under any circumstances. I agree. No, I don't care what you drop on him. And also, going back to your, you, you said something that kind of had me chuckle. Like you said, um, like I talked about optics before. Adam, could you imagine the optics if they bury a body in Saudi Arabia for a show? Oh, I'm, Let's I, not do that. Uh, Let's maybe. Hey, no, Jack. No, 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 hey, Jack. Not. Hey, Jack. Do you think I said that by accident? Let's not do that. Let's just. No, no, no. I, but, uh, listen, man. No, I, under no circumstances. Like, Hell in a Cell was god-awful enough. And I, like, and plus. You know what's going to happen. Well, I'm sh- maybe they know, maybe they don't. But whatever goofy way Seth would find to entrap the fiend or whatever, it's not going to make him a bigger baby face. People are going to get on his ass even more. They already don't like him. If The only thing that guy gets anymore these days are people like to yell, burn it down with his music. It's the same, pe- that- it's the same people that, towards the end of Roman Reigns, the Brock Lesnar feud... Yeah, we're still kind of cheering for Reigns. It's like the women and children. Yeah, like this—that's yeah. all you're getting with Seth. That—that's why I think we talked about last week. Like this heel, to, like he's slowly but surely showing that he—he's gonna turn. Like with the way he's acting, both kayfabe and non-kayfabe with the way he is. But uh, no, I mean Seth's gonna win. But I just—I don't see a good way you could do this. That's gonna have them both coming out looking great. Yeah, that's really where I stand. It's—it's it's almost like you know what. Hell in a Cell wasn't very successful. They had him off, t- basically off TV that whole first week, with yep. the exception of a little bit of a callback. Just end it. Let people forget. Bring Seth back. Give him two weeks off. Have him come back. Start a new feud, and just go with it. I mean, it's not the first time that you know they had to for for one of the previous Blood Money in the Sands. They had to stop a storyline. I think it was with Daniel Bryan and change direction because they needed someone else to fill in because Bryan refused to go over there. Just do the same thing here. Make believe Wyatt refuses to go over and do something else and put the fiend in something else, uh, you know, in yeah. Saudi Arabia. So there, this is going to be a really interesting show. I think the there's a battle royal that isn't very good uh, with the winner being able to face AJ Styles for the United States Championship. Whatever. There's a tag team turmoil match to determine the best tag team in the world. Okay, but like the Usos aren't in it. and There's a lot of other really good teams that aren't in it. So it's kind of meaningless and rings hollow. Would you really be surprised if Shane McMahon... Maybe I'm like Elias, don't come back and just win the whole thing. I wouldn't be shocked about that. Um, so Crown Jewel, uh, we're starting at like a C minus, and we're going to see if we go up or down from there. But it is Halloween, so uh, we'll see what the what the hell they decide to give us. Um, we are going to be moving into Hero or Zero and a ton of DMs from you guys coming up in a second. A couple quick DMs. 
Hold on. Big dog. There we go. Uh, John Demuzio, who works for us. He's a producer here at CBS at John Demuz, D-I-M-U-Z, CBS. Guys, I decided to stop watching WWE a few weeks ago until after Blood Money in the Sand 4. Did I miss anything at all? Doesn't seem like it. Um, I would say you did. It's an exciting time for pro wrestling as a whole, but I mean, just WWE in general. Yeah, you've missed a you, you've missed a few things. Like I said, like, but he, I get he's like a lot. John's like a lot of other people in that they are choosing to not watch until after Saudi Arabia. And yeah, you've missed a few notable things, John. But after Saudi Arabia, I, we've we've spoken about this before. Is when things are really going to pick up. Absolutely. Here we go. Another one. Big dog. Marcus at M underscore. Harrison, H-A-R-A-Z-I-N. Do you think the main roster product will improve after Blood Money in the Sand? Uh, yes. And one more. Big dog. Sam S-T at Sam Hiko, H-I-K-O underscore. Why do you think they insist on bringing the Crown Jewel stuff into the weekly show? I feel like there would be less hate if the regular shows just presented it as a network special. I agree. I think the real the real way for WWE to move forward with this Saudi Arabia deal, and I said it, I think it was on last week's show when we talked about this, is their storytelling and their booking gets significantly worse because the these shows interrupt the flow of the of their own product that hurts with the TV product that hurts with the pay-per-views remember they did the first one like 3 weeks after WrestleMania yes calling it bigger than WrestleMania hurts it it downplays WrestleMania i know Melter and others have come out and said WWE makes more money from these deals than they do Mania and SummerSlam i get it i totally get it if you are a business, you need to figure out a way, if you're a successful business, you need to figure out a way to appease these guys that you made this deal with while not shitting on your audience. And what these shows continuously do to me, Jack, is they shit on the WWE fan. The regular WWE fan who wants to see good storylines, doesn't care about Hogan and Flair coming back, is tired of them throwing these super cards together twice a year and, and nothing really coming of them. They get legitimately bothered and the ratings suffer whenever they do these shows. And WWE really needs to know they can't do that. So I was going to move on to Hero Zero, Jack. And then I realized somehow, and we don't have much left in the show today, but somehow I did not put on the rundown the one thing that we agreed had to be in the main event. Divorce Court. The end of Raw on Monday night. uh, Jerry Lawler hosting Rusev and Lana in the middle of the ring in a segment. Jack, that... Just like with Firefly Funhouse, it's, it was almost identical where I saw it starting and I said, oh, my God, this is going to be a disaster. And then two minutes in, it's, oh, my God, this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Now, I saw people tweeting that this would not make the record books in WWE or the highlight reel of Raw, people crapping on it. But the vast majority of responses I got. And the way I feel and the way I know you feel, this was pure sports entertainment. It was pure Paul Heyman. I was entertained from start to finish. I was laughing my ass off. And you know what I want to hear more, Jack? I want to hear Lana talk about Rusev's favorite thing. Before we get into this. That between Rusev and I, our marriage was only about what Rusev wanted. And what Rusev wanted from me was sex. Rusev wanted sex for me in the morning. Rusev wanted sex for me in the afternoon. Rusev wanted sex with me in the evening. Rusev wanted sex on the kitchen. Rusev wanted sex in the arena, freaking at the doctor's office, at the locker room, at WrestleMania. You are a sex addict. 
all I could think when she was doing that is like that pizza bite song, like, you know, sex in the morning, sex in the evening, sex at supper time. <laughs> if sex is on the table, you can have sex anytime. Like <laughs> when she was doing that, um, Lana was great. Jack, go ahead. Tell me what you thought about this segment. And, and can we talk about like, it wasn't like she, Lana was if, pun intended. Lana crushed it. I crushed. said, in the re, I said in the recap on CBS sports.com, that was the best performance that Lana has put on to date in the company. Yep. She yep. was near flawless. Kudos to her because we gave we used to give her a lot of flack for not being able to perform well. That was just as perfect as you could ask for. And I don't have the zipper effect you guys want, so I'll just give this one instead. <laughs> it. All right, go ahead. And plus, kudos to Rusev. I mean, we, we know he's always on his toes, but he looked at Lawler in the crowd and said, can you blame me? Right. But let me let me read you guys, because people are still crapping on this. Let me read some numbers really quick that I pulled up before the show that I have in front of me from YouTube which we know is a big platform for WWE. Huge. Four weeks ago, when Lana came out and started making out with Bobby Lashley, and we first said, what the hell? You ready? 4.9 million views <laughs> to this point. Okay. Well, we are not done. Rusev snapping and demolishing Corbin and Orton. 2.2 million views. Rusev vows to track down Lana and Bobby Lashley. 646,000 views. Okay. However, later in the night, Rusev goes berserk and hunt for Lana and Bobby Lashley. 1.4 million views. <laughs> Last night, Rusev left crushed by Lana and Bobby Lashley. 3 million views. 24 hours later. Less than 24 hours later. Less than 24 hours later. Those are the numbers from each segment they are getting on YouTube. Now, I, I did look at other segments from Roz. Nowhere close. No, hundreds of thousands. Nowhere of yeah. close. Yeah. Listen, this is a good, this was a storyline that was a wait and see. We said, look, could be good. Yeah, they're trying to do something a little bit rated R, a little bit attitude. We'll see if it goes okay. And then, just like I said, Monday night it started, and it's like, you know what? Oh, they're going to lose me here. I think and what makes... They hit a home run, Jack. What makes us optimistic is that you could tell the thought was put into this angle. Yes, yes. That's what gets... It's not just something they decided, well, let's throw an affair on TV. This was very well thought out yeah. and has had us on our toes every week because I'll admit, and you could admit, when Lana came out and started making out with Lashley four weeks ago, we all said, what the hell is this? Right. But week by week, you're getting answers here and there. It, it is funny, though, that Lana's entire reasoning is that Rusev wants too much sex and he wants a baby <laughs> and he wants a baby and he wants to develop their relationship. And I'm not watching... Total Divas this year, Jack, but I believe that Rusev wanting children is a part of a storyline for Total Divas. It, I it used to be. They're off Total Divas now. Oh, they're off. Okay, well, it, it used yeah, to be. Yeah, they're off, well, it, but it used to be. It used to be. So they're continuing that storyline, but I find it funny that that is basically the storyline, so but every time we've seen her with Bobby Lashley, they're making out, they're in bed together having sex, you know, they're out to dinner on a date, everything is sexual, so what's the difference between Rusev and Bobby Lashley? One of them, I, I guess. One of them maybe wears protection, and the other one doesn't being, want to. Yeah, she's very. I guess she's being careful with Lashley as opposed <laughs> to, to Sir Rusev. We're married. I guess that. So what I'm saying is, I, I guess the the focal point of the storyline here is condoms. I don't know. I, like condoms, contraception, <laughs> method, method of like our, uh, of removal. We're, we're teaching yeah. sex. Like Paul Heyman is a sex ed teacher now. We're teaching <laughs> the fans here. So it's just it's just a pretty. It's pretty, yeah, oh. it's pretty incredible. But I mean, listen, right. start to finish though, it was just great. Like I was totally entertained by it. Uh, from 
the way Rusev responded to Lana from the way Lana starts hitting him on the back with a kendo stick. And he, not even no sell it. He like 0.0 sold it. 0.0. Like she wasn't even touching him. And I don't know, man. I thought it was just, I don't want to say it was genius, but it was fantastic. And and just for perspective, just so ever, I, the Godfather of State of Combat, BC, is not here, but I can relay this message because I did talk to him this morning about this. He loves it, too. He, oh, of course. Brian, he's, he's all, Brian's all in on it. He, favorite part of Raw, he loves it. What Brian, uh, what Brian wants is for every major storyline to involve adultery. So the <laughs> fact, so once this started, he was in. Like the first moment when Lashley showed up on stage and made out with Lana, he was in. He loved it. It's his favorite storyline. It was always going to be. But, but it's good but to finish. It's good. When some, when, but to, the the main point here, though, folks, is that when you are given a wrestling storyline where you could tell that just genuine thought was put into it, right? You, it entertains you more. They planned this out. That's that's a really good way to put it. And I think what we're seeing from WWE is, and I said this about Shorty G, we'll talk about it later, you may not like the storyline in terms of you may want to book it differently. You may have a different idea. Everyone wants everyone to be a silent badass, right? You may have different ideas for all these characters. But if WWE is putting the effort to long-term storytell, that's a piece of the equation. You have to give them the opportunity to succeed. Just like I said with Raw, you have to give... Raw, the opportunity to become the show that BC and I have said that we want. We want one worker eight show. We want one sports entertainment Gaga show because that way Vince can have that and give the other one to someone else. We thought it was going to be SmackDown. No, it's Raw. That is going to be that. And you know what? I think they approved it again Monday night by putting Buddy Murphy in a big spot, Andrade in a big spot. Alistair Black, people were crapping on his promo. I liked it. They are trying to push new talent on Raw. They're giving us good matches. Umberto Carrillo, AJ Styles, come on. Um, Man, Carrillo, who is behind him? Yeah, Paul. That's who. It's, it's, Paul, it's, it's, it's got to be a bunch of other people because it's a team effort a lot of times. Well, yes, Paul's the head, but there's got to be a lot but of people. They, they, they are actively trying to give us a good wrestling television show on Monday nights. And if you don't like yeah. SmackDown, that's okay. But don't you dare tell me that you don't like Monday Night Raw. Jack, a lot of show left. Seriously, very little time. We are going to go lightning round here or zero. We're going to go lightning round sliding into the DMs because the Silver King put way too much on this show. But you know we got to get the intro music. All right, Jack, first up, uh, we haven't spoken AEW uh, much in this show, haven't talked about AEW much in this show, because I think it's fair to say last week's episode, while it was good, not much really happened that got us super, super excited, except the brawl between the inner circle, which was in a luxury box, and Cody, Dustin, MJF, and surprise, DDP coming out from the back to support the Rhodes family and MJF. Um, You know, straight up. I, I thought it was great. Uh, I know people have come on Twitter. I think Kevin Nash jumped on Twitter and gave Jericho some grief of, <laughs> hey, if you're the champ, but you're in this box and you bought a ticket to the arena, why would you have a microphone in the box? Um, the fact that Jericho showed one ticket, but there were five of them. And even when you have a suite, I know this, I've been in suites before, you have to have a ticket for everyone. Uh, little kind of nitpicks. I thought it was a little overboard what Kevin Nash kind of did. And Jericho answered him pretty well. He said, look, I'm the champ. I do whatever I want. I take a mic wherever I want. That's it. That's all that needs to be said. Um, so I thought it was exciting. It was 
Interesting that they set up a quote-unquote big announcement for Cody. It sounded like a career type of announcement in the ring that he never got to with Tony Schiavone, and instead they just kind of ran this angle. But to see those guys come out, to see DDP get the pop that he did, I know he's older. I know it's a little hypocritical that AEW kept talking about WWE putting old guys front and center, but they're not going to. They're going to develop new stars. But then Dustin Rhodes comes out and DDP comes out, and it's like, what exactly are you doing? So I know it's a little bit hypocritical, um, but I was... Again, completely sports entertained. I thought Cody grabbing MJF's scarf and breaking the window was great. And the brawl going into the concession area was just really good. It felt more real than similar WWE brawls. We just got one on Monday with Seth Rollins and Eric Rowan. It was empty there. It felt staged. This was, hey, we're just going to fight amongst the crowd and damn it. Who cares what happens? So it felt real. It felt good. It got me excited for next week. Absolute hero for me. Yeah, hero for me. This this was again. I say it every week, but this is what I'm looking for for AEW. Just felt different. It was chaotic, but in a good way. I I, I can't say enough about this build for Cody and Jericho. I think if you asked me months ago, a world title program with Cody and Jericho, I would have probably moaned and groaned a little bit. Right. Kudos to both of them. They've done a fantastic job of building this. It's really their first big world title program. So yeah. hero to everything. Yeah, I criticized. I think them going with oh, Kenny Omega all of a sudden is a loser type of storyline and not having Moxley or Pac or Hangman in this picture. But I, I said it was correct for Jericho to be the first champion. It is correct for Cody to be the first challenger. You're completely Yeah, because I, I don't think right. he's going to win. Right, yeah, correct. Exactly. I don't think he's going to win. You know he's not going to win. Exactly. All right. Uh, number two here on Hero or Zero, we actually have a DM slide. Big dog. From Nick Z at N-Z-A-N-I-B-O-N-I-93. I guess that's N-Zamboni-93. Uh, do you guys think that Nakamura, Sami Zayn, and possibly Daniel Bryan could create a wrestling faction simply called The Artists? I will add hero or zero to that question. For those that don't know what we're talking about on SmackDown, Friday night, uh, Daniel Bryan was confronted by Michael Cole. Basically, are you a heel or are you a face? Is it the yes movement or are you still the new Daniel Bryan? He wasn't really sure. Nakamura and Sami Zayn came out and basically just said, uh, really, Sami Zayn was the one with the mic, of course, and said, look, we are just like you. You know, we're environmentalists. We care about the planet. Uh, we, you know, he's a vegan, Sami Zayn. And they tried to get Daniel Bryan on their side, Jack. So here are zero on Daniel Bryan not doing what we expect, which is the face turn, uh, and actually going into a heel faction with these guys or heel group for three people. No, absolute zero here because I think it's it's been made pretty crystal clear that there were there's reports that were floating around before – the debut on Fox were true. Fox wanted a baby face Brian because they wanted the yes chant. And by bringing it up in the promos and the, the teases, it's clear that's what you, you're well, not getting healed. Well, hold Brian on. I got to I got to I got to interrupt you. I'm not. The question is not. Should is the question is not. Will it happen? It should it happen. Should. Yeah, should. No, no, because I because Brian Brian's getting what he wanted. He wanted to wrestle Shinsuke Nakamura. And I don't want to see him paired with Sam. I mean, I'm okay with the pairing of Zayn and Nakamura. Like, I'm not as opposed to it as you are. But could I do without it? Yes. So I don't want to add another person to that mix. So I'm actually going to disagree, <laughs> surprisingly disagree with you here. I think that's a strong trio. And with New Day on that show, that speaks to me as a rivalry that we could see some amazing matches. Grant, yes. Xavier Woods. I was, I, Xavier Woods injured. I, I actually need to probably retool my thinking here. Xavier Woods, which we didn't mention on last week's show, tore his Achilles out like nine months to 12 months. Really crappy timing. Really not good for Kofi probably because I don't think they were actually done with Kofi as a singles competitor. And now I think he's kind of forced into a tag team with Biggie, yeah. um, even though both could compete as singles and I would prefer that. But um, 
this would actually honestly be a hero for me. I think that trio would be great. I think having, you know, Sammy reducing his mic time because you have Daniel Bryan to take up more of it. Nakamura, I know I just said not everyone needs to be a silent badass, but Nakamura being the silent badass of the trio, uh, maybe Bryan going after the WWE Championship, trying to go after Brock while Nakamura remains the Intercontinental Champion. It is something that would really interest me and I think it would be more creative to go with them as a trio as opposed for Daniel Bryan this week on SmackDown just to be like, no, screw you. I'm all about the yes movement. And now we have Daniel Bryan, who is naturally a face, and Roman Reigns, who they're still trying to push into that role, teaming up for another six to nine months. I I, I would prefer them seeing go I would prefer to see them go head to head. Okay. Third hero on Hero Zero. Uh for me, do you believe Shorty G after SmackDown on Friday took another step? Or no? Um here's the thing. I am going to maintain my stance here on Shorty G Jack. Uh I don't love the name. I don't love the attire. The shorts were probably okay. The jersey is a joke. Um, <laughs> he he, look, he looks ridiculous. Um, yeah. At the same time, as I said last week, I'm going to maintain my, my position. People have gotten over with far worse gimmicks. The crowd is behind him. As long as they book him strong, he can get past the gimmick, maybe be just the name, change his attire. And then eventually, as it goes on and he becomes super, super successful, just be Chad Gable again. So here I am. Uh, quick hero because like we've already expressed our thoughts on this. I'm with you. I got. I'm going to let it breathe for a little bit because I think there's a plan. And I, I by the way, I think the SmackDown main event was great. Uh, mm-hmm. It was, I believe, it was a six man tag to get over the Crown Jewel Team Hogan versus Team Flair. Roman Reigns was in that match. He was by far the biggest name on the face side. He did get a spear, yes, but what he allowed in that match, what WWE booked, was for Chad Gable to get over with some of his moves. He got the hot tag. He the crowd popped for him totally. And Ali got the pin yeah. with the 450. That was fantastic. Uh, Lucha Bros versus SCU Jack in the finals of the AEW Tag Team Tournament. This was pretty obvious from the very beginning. Is it a zero that they went with the most obvious when we're trying to get better storytelling from them? Or is this the match you want to see, Hero or Zero? See, I don't think it's really obvious because don't forget the general consensus really around AEW as a whole was, oh, the executives are going to put themselves over. Well, don't so forget, they, but don't they, forget the angle like on the first dynamite though. This tournament though got exciting when the young bucks were bounced, um, and yeah, you like unexpectedness, but at the same time, the Lucha Brothers deserve to be the first tag team champions. Yes. Without a doubt for now. They deserve to win this. I yes. believe they're going to win tomorrow. They deserve it. And SCU is okay with me because they slotted in Scorpio Sky for when they ran the injury angle with Christopher Daniels because Scorpio Sky should get all of the the shine that he can because I think that guy is going to be a massive single star for that company if it keeps thriving. It, down the road, Scorpio is going to be a huge, huge single star for that place. You stole my take. I think he's a future AEW world champion. He, oh, yeah. Without a I doubt, really do. he is. Without really a do. doubt. And so you give him this shine here in the first tag team tour. So what you what you have here essentially is you have um, Scorpio and Kazarian with Scorpio getting shine in the first ever tag team tournament for the, the championships. The Lucha Brothers, who should win. They're on the other side. I have no problem with it. Hero, and then we we start running tomorrow with the Lucha Brothers as the AEW, the first AEW Tag Team Champions. Yeah, I am with you on that 100%. Uh, last but not least here on Hero Zero. So on Raw on Monday night, we saw Paige open the show, which I think was an, a nice surprise for everyone. Uh, brought out the Kabuki Warriors, brought them to the ring. She got misted right in the face with that green mist, got kicked out basically. 
of the Kabuki Warriors cry, <laughs> crying at ringside for water, telling Asuka to stay away from her. Becky Lynch comes down to the ring, um, has a great match with Kyrie Sane, ultimately beats Kyrie Sane, kicks her, and which is a f- moment that I thought was fun. The hero zero here is, you know, are they doing the right thing with the Kabuki Warriors, both in having um, them kick out Paige and, you know, Becky Lynch get over on Kyrie Sane for that pinfall victory a week ago. And for me, it's a hero because, you know, while... I wasn't as opposed to Paige leading the Kabuki Warriors as I was Sami Zayn helping Shinsuke Nakamura. I still believe both were unnecessary. Because as you can tell, Kyrie Sane and Asuka can yeah. get themselves over as heels. Uh, giving Asuka this new dimension of the green mist with the face paint, taking away the fun pirate hat from Kyrie and having her come out now with the, uh, the twisting umbrella. Um, it, it, it is enough to have them be believable tag team champions dominant tag team champions. I think Paige on the mic put over why they're so good and why they're so successful, which gave them the last bit of credibility they needed before she could exit. I don't think Paige in a managerial role on WWE TV is necessary unless she's going to manage like an individual woman's performer. If they want to bring over someone from NXT UK and draw a connection to Paige and have her be a real life manager, like old school Jim Cornette manager and bring them into a title type of picture long-term that could work. Other than that, Paige has a role on WWE backstage. I think she does a great job there. I still think WWE should bring her back as general manager of the women's division on both shows. Yeah. I, I understand people get tired of the authority angles, but when you do have GMs in place on raw and SmackDown, it provides a sense of order. And right now I think that is missing from both shows. I don't think you need to have, you know, Stephanie McMahon, Shane McMahon, evil authority. And I don't think you need to have the authority as a faction or a group or anything like that. But I do think that they are missing structure and she would provide that back to Raw or SmackDown if given the opportunity. Yeah, I could hear all what happened last night because I wasn't even a fan of Paige with the Kabuki Warriors when they debuted and they were baby faces. And then I was less on board with Paige actually coming back after they turned heel. So everyone's happy. All right. We're going to run through some DM slides before we get out of here. As I promised, you guys sent us questions. We are going to answer them. Big dog. Coming out from Nitnish, uh, Venkatish, uh, at Nitman Returns. He tweets us all the time, and it's nice to get one of your tweets on the show. I would like to know your guys' take on the entrance music for AEW. I feel that, with the exception of some, Cody and Jericho, for example, the majority sound meh. I know this is a small nitpick, but I wanted your thoughts on this. I completely agree. I think most AEW entrance trash. music is trash. Those two are great. Uh, Jericho's is his own, sh- is his own song. Cody's has been used since basically he became American Nightmare. Um, there's a couple others that are pretty good. I think the Lucha Bros one is good. Um, Darby. Darby Allens, yes. That's the other one I think is really good. Really good. And there's another one that has some rap lyrics to it that I think is good. Uh, the Bucks. I like the Bucks. They're custom. The Bucks is, the Bucks is before okay. Before the company debut. But, I like but the all, of the, all of the entrance music they made basically for their new performers, the, the stuff that was actually well, made by AEW is not good. Kenny sucks. Kenny, Can we, sucks. Kenny Omega's music for his own company sucks. Yeah. Moxley's is okay. Moxley's okay, but I, that's what bothered me, bothers me the most. Kenny Omega, he is an executive vice president, and his music is garbage. He shows it. It's probably some, like, video game or anime ripoff. Is it my guess. sucks, man. Yeah, it's not good. Okay, so we agreed, not good. All right, keep going on here. Big dog. TCC Ballin at TCC Ballin. First of all, all three of you are fantastic. Well, there's just two of us here today. Uh, but in all seriousness, I've become disconnected from wrestling and a very little time for TV. 
If you could pick one show, Raw, SmackDown, AEW, NXT to follow, which would it be? Sincerely, hashtag too busy. Jack, what would you tell him? Well, my my first question would be like, how long have you been disconnected? Because you, you have to get a gauge of what type of wrestling you like. Right. So I, not knowing how long TCC Ballin's been out of the pro wrestling game here. He tweets us a lot. So I think he's been watching, but maybe he's just not keeping up week to week with the product. Then probably NXT. You know, it's tough because the wrestling fan in me would say NXT. I think it's the best overall product, most consistent, best wrestling yeah. in ring wrestling. AEW to me is fresh and exciting because of the crowds. And if you wanted to get into something, you only have to watch three episodes to catch up. Um, you can watch the YouTube stuff on your own time and you have a two hour show once a week and you really don't need to do much beyond that. But if you want a little extra, you have AEW Dark on YouTube. But I kind of want to go with Raw because I think Raw is going to wind up after Blood Money in the Sand 4, giving us a mix of good wrestling, WWE storytelling, and familiar faces. And if you are a casual fan, the I think the Raw product is ultimately going to be best for you. If you're more of a hardcore fan, then I think I would go with you, Jack, and say NXT. Is that fair? That's, yeah, that, that that's a fair assessment. I think SmackDown's worthless. I think you can... Go to WWE's YouTube yeah, channel. SmackDown definitely isn't my thing. No, I'll, I'll be straight up with you guys. I, I Especially Friday. I remember I looked at my wife. I said, I don't want to watch this garbage. I, I like, just, it's, not for, it's not for me. I just think that you can catch, if you watch two or three YouTube clips, you're like, all right, those are the good things. Pretty much, yeah. You know what I mean? So listen, maybe SmackDown gets better. Again, I keep saying it. Once this Crown Jewel booking ends, it will get better, period. It just, it just will by nature of them not having to worry about this stupid show that they have to book. Maybe it'll get better. Maybe it'll surprise us. But the names for me as a fan on Raw are better. I think it's just a better roster top to bottom. Okay, coming up. Big dog. Scoops at EJ Maroon, M-A-R-O-U-N. Viewership for SmackDown is trending downward. What can they do to reverse the trend and attract more viewers on a show on Friday nights, which is traditionally a difficult night of the week for TV? Is it simply putting together a better, better product? Or something else. Uh, I think you answered your own question in the question. Take it off Friday. Put it back on Tuesday because no one wants to watch wrestling on Friday night. I know that Fox wanted it on Friday because it's a hole in their schedule. It's going to bring an audience they wouldn't otherwise get. I understand all of that. Friday night is not a good night for wrestling. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday are all better nights. You're not going to go on Wednesday. Tuesday and Thursday are both open. If it was me, I would move it right back to Tuesday night. No, you're right. Friday, this Friday thing is it, it's it doesn't make any sense. It didn't make sense from the jump. It doesn't make sense now. And here's the thing: like it's trending downwards now. And I, it's like just for me living in the Northeast. I, I know you have no problem with this down in Fort Lauderdale, but me living in the Northeast. All right, it's fall season now. People do tend to stay home on Friday nights. But when the weather breaks in spring and summer, do you think people are going to stay home to watch no, Friday night SmackDown? Especially, no, especially not the eighteen through no. forty nine age bracket that they want viewership. on. Yeah, the so demos we all talk the about. De- that demo is goes out. Like when I was no. twenty, twenty one, twenty two, you know, onward up until I got again. BC is. Very washed. Jack and I are just, we're on our way. We're not, <laughs> we're not fully washed yet. Um, when I was that age, I was still going out every Friday. It was yeah, a point. Oh, it was a point to me to go out on Friday nights. And yes, I would DVR it and then watch it. Absolutely. But that that is not counted the same viewership-wise. The one thing I want to get out there real quick before we move on, uh, WWE uh, SmackDown it was on FS1 this week. It was reported it did 888,000 viewers, which is a huge step down. And being on FS1 does not account for all of that. I just want to say, for everyone that's crapping on it, 
like they didn't count mountain and Pacific viewers in the total. So like, it's not like the people are making a huge deal. Like Meltzer and Alvarez and all these guys. Yeah. Oh my God. WWE tanked. They're only counting one, t- two time zones out of the four in terms of the viewership numbers. Uh, that's just how it works when, oh, when, when a product, when, when a product is normally live and then taped delay, they add them all together. This was live across the country. They did not count those other time zones in this total number. Yeah, and I I was laughing my ass off yesterday. When pe- I get they didn't get the number they thought they would, but when people were trashing the SmackDown um, viewership yesterday that took place this past weekend, there were some people who I think legit just forgot it was on FS1. Well, here's the other thing, too. People also forget that. They, they always point out FS1 is an 85 million homes. Yes, it is. Almost everyone in the country, if you have cable TV, gets FS1. People, yeah. people point out that UFC... And, and college football and whatever do really good ratings. Yes, they do. Those are appointment television things, right? SmackDown is not. It is a weekly show. It is not appointment television, number one. Number two, people know where USA Network and TNT are on their dial. I know the numbers in my head. 420 for me is USA Network. It always is. Every single night that I want to watch, if I want to watch Suits, if I want to watch WWE. See, that's why Matt I know Riddle the channel. Be on Raw. FS, <laughs> FS1, uh, people don't know the channel. You have to go seek it. When you're going to watch an Ohio State football game, you seek it because it's on. It's an event. Ohio State Northwestern, one-time game. I have to watch it right now. It's on live. SmackDown, you just assume, especially if it's on Friday, it's going to DVR. I'll watch it. And for most people, it did not DVR over. So for everyone freaking out about the SmackDown rating, I have a pretty good feeling it's going to be just fine this week and going forward. But to this DM's point, it is going down. You know what else is going down? AEW. And NXT. The only thing that's staying up is Raw. I find that interesting. Hey, 20, 20 plus years in the game, you're going to create stability for yourself. Yeah, These is. other shows don't have stability. 20 plus years, you 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 get stability. That's why people never worry about Raw. Yeah, it's not getting 8 million viewers like it did in the Attitude Era. But why does USA Network love it so much? The number is steady. Yes. It is a steady stream of viewership for their network. Yeah, and WWE can always pop a rating if it needs to be. It just has to spend money and spend time. All right, a yep. couple more before we get out of here. Big dog. Anthony Brown at Anthony Brown underscore junior. How about a wrestler of the year update? This year started great, but the last few months have been dot, dot, dot. I uh, do have to say something about this right off the bat when I saw it. this question. What's it. made this diffi- this argument difficult this year is the fact that a lot of the AEW guys that we usually have in these conversations – Kenny. Half of the almost half of their year was cut. Yeah. And now they're in a position where they're not wrestling all that much as much as they would. So that definitely that created quite the intrigue with this argument this year. Here's the thing. Like we're we're still a few months out. I think you and Brian may vote for Will Ospreay. Uh, to me again, it's not just about in-ring. No, because I think Will's overrated. Yeah, and I think he's overrated also. We've said that. Um I mean, there's a lot of people I can list. I think Gargano has an opportunity, but he's missed a bunch of months. I think yeah. Becky has a chance to repeat for us. She legitimately has been on top all year. Um, man, Lesnar, I think you can make an argument for just because he's been such a pull. Um, Kofi. But Kofi, Kofi, but I think his, I think his reign wasn't very good ultimately. You could make an argument for Rollins. I think ultimately where my vote would go. It might be Chris Jericho um, simply because of the reinvention. He has had good matches and AEW would not exist to the level it does without him. Uh, yeah. And I think that's the biggest story of the year. 
And I think because of that, he might be the wrestler of the year. I yeah. don't know. I don't know if I'm going to feel that way in December. Yeah. I, about the first, I, I mean, I thought I had my mind made up on this the first quarter of the year because picking up where you left off last year, I thought, I really thought Jonathan Gresham was ready to take that handle of the best wrestler in the world. And in ring wise, I think Jonathan very well may be the best in ring technician there is right now. It's, it's scary how, when you watch him, it's like you're watching Brian Danielson. It's terrifying, yeah. but I haven't seen, he hasn't really done. I don't know if it's bookings or what he hasn't really, the second half of the year hasn't been much. So I get to take the easy out here and go with Becky Lynch because she took the ball at WrestleMania. Yeah. First women's main event. And she has, run with it since and she stayed a top star in that company so i'll go with becky she may be a wwe match of the year with sasha banks too yeah let's not exactly that. so yeah i'll go with Bex. all right couple more here big dog lil underscore nature at mt stewart four i know we don't talk too much about the other podcast but it might be okay i actually didn't read this but it might be okay since it's cheap heat uh what do you think of this argument that the role should have been reversed between flair and hogan and should this be the spark to relaunch the nwo or another heel stable. So be, being honest, like those guys, um, I, I don't listen to their show. I don't know what this argument is. But if they are suggesting that Flair should have been in the Hogan role in NWO, uh, no. <laughs> no. No, man, no. Yeah. You're, you're, you're trying – I don't agree with it. But you're trying to portray Hogan in a positive light anytime he's around. Turning him heel would be – on the maybe top five or top ten list of dumbest things WWE has ever tried. You're talking about Flair? Right behind actually bringing Hogan back. Oh, you're talking about so, now. You're talking about now. Yeah. I think they're talking about back in the day. The roles the should, roles, should have oh, I been thought, reversed. I, I, my apologies. I thought this was for the, the Crown Jewel build because they've been on my TV so much. Oh, no. You know what? Maybe they are talking about for Crown Jewel. I, that's, that's the way I'm reading it. Yeah, okay. And, and should either way, e either way, no. But no, no, you don't. You but the point is, you don't portray Hogan in a heel light. And, and God, no, especially not now when you're trying to build him back as a face. You need him to be a face. Uh, you need Flair to be the heel. Flair is a better heel. Um, yeah, no, no, no. Do not relaunch NWO. No new stable. Flair can barely speak these days. You're, you might get one with yeah. Balor. So th th be happy. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's all we need. Okay. Big dog. From Bob Backlinhausen at TalkBox. Yes, I do get your messages on the State of Combat account, <laughs> even though you still seem to want to shit talk me. Uh, who is your favorite NWA wrestler and why is it Camille? Um, is it? Is that? I mean, she's great. I, I loved her promo with Nick Aldis, or lack thereof, uh, two NWA powers ago. I did not watch last week's. Um, I wouldn't say she's my favorite wrestler on the show, but I find her totally entertaining. She did it again this week, Adam. Oh, she, she did? Good. Okay. At the desk this time with the actual microphone. She did it to him again, and it was just as funny as it was two weeks ago in the out of studio interview. But, no, I mean, for as far as my favorite NWA wrestler on this little relaunch right now, I mean, I, I still got to stick with my guy, Eddie Kingston, because he's the perfect blend yeah. of someone who – a top five talker in the world, maybe top three, and he could still he, – he could work in the ring. I like Eddie Kingston a lot. I think – I'm shockingly fond of Eli Drake, the promo he cut two weeks ago, and James Storm. Like, he's been great. Like, really, really great in his uh, appearances. So those have been working for me. Big dog. All right, last but not least here from Michael Sean at REEB82. Give us your Halloween candy, Mount Rushmore. So I did not think about this uh, legitimately. I'm just going to tell you candy that is good. These are the good candies. Um, the typical ones, like straight off off the bat, Twix, really good. Milky Way, really good. 
Uh, peanut butter M&Ms are amazing. Butterfingers are good. They used to have back in the day Butterfinger BBs, which I think were the greatest candy yeah. ever invented. And they got rid of them for some reason. And the new Take 5, it's like probably five, six, seven, eight years old. Maybe longer, actually. It's, it's, I think it was in college. So it's like 13, 14 years old. Uh, the Take 5 with the pretzel, the peanut butter, the caramel, that is a delicious candy. But Butterfinger BBs, number one candy of all time. Peanut butter M&Ms are amazing. And like I said, uh, Twix, Milky Way, and um, the Take 5s now are pretty good. What about you? Snickers. Just stay, stay, stay simple there. Snickers. I don't like it flagged for this. I love almond joys. Oh my god! My mom, you, loved, my you mom have, loved growing up, and oh she got god. me. I, you I have, love them. You have the worst food takes ever. No, you, you I just do, do not. Be quiet. Oh my god! Snickers, almond joy, Twix. I'm with you on the Twix. Love Twix. <sighs> You're the worst. And then, blow pops. Yeah. Again, blow pops serve two purposes. You get the candy and the gum. <sighs> I, I don't know what we're going to, I don't think we should allow you to eat. I mean, it's, it's his, your favorite fast food is Burger King. I mean, I love Bur- Bur- Yo, Burger King is very good. <laughs> we will leave it folks at that. So for Jack Crosby, for Jack Crosby, this is the silver King. We went a little bit longer than we expected, but hopefully you got your fill of professional wrestling. BC will be back next week. Yes. I know. I said that last week, BC will be back. Next week, to talk pro wrestling. He does have a lot to catch up on. Uh, so the hope is that he's able to do that following the Canelo Kovalev fight. We will have instant analysis from Canelo Kovalev on Saturday night. Um, we will have multiple interview podcasts, boxing, on Thursday and Friday of this week. Be sure to, be sure to listen to those. And don't forget to listen to our interview podcast. Uh, the Silver King spoke to Tyson Fury and Triple H. And BC spoke to Jake Hager, AEW and Bellator, uh, prior to him. What was it? A no, was it a no contest in Bellator when he need a guy in the nuts twice in a row on purpose and then claimed and then claimed the other guy was trying to get out of the fight? All right, whatever. If, a, if AEW doesn't run with that tomorrow, they're a failure. Yeah, we will see what happens. But listen to that interview. It is really good with Jake Hager. He does open up on WWE. Hope you enjoyed Finn Balor today. And you know how the Silver King does it. I don't give you the short Savage. I give you the full Randy Savage. Goodbye. Elizabeth, come on out that. here, oh, man. Oh, we got something going that's oh, really big, mercy. don't we? Yeah. Look in the video scope right now and tell them about Macho Madness. Tell them how strong it is and tell them where we're going, yeah. We into the twilight zone, yeah. And Hulk Hogan's got no chance, does he? No. no. Does anybody have a chance against the Macho Man? No. no. Am I the greatest wrestler past, present, and future that ever lived? Yes, you are. You know, say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. goodbye. Okay, get out of here. That's a little rough, Randy. No, yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. And I am the roughest one in the sport. I am the number one wrestler in the world today. Thank you, Randy Savage. Thank you, Randy Savage. Thank you, Jack Crosby. And you know I just got two words for you. We out.